Welcome into Phil's Tax Hacks and Other Retirement Facts with CPA and Personal Financial Specialist, Phil Putney. Now let's get rolling with today's show. Hey everybody, welcome into Phil's Tax Hacks and Other Retirement Facts with Phil Putney and myself. Here to talk about is retirement planning harder than it used to be? And uh, Phil, you had, you know, I'm sure our parents, at least my dad and probably your dad, used to tell you, "Oh, you have no idea how hard it used to be. I used to have to walk to school, you know, in the snow, uphill, both ways." Yep. <laughs> right? They would yep. always yep. say the most exaggerated things, right? Uh, but you know what? Is retirement planning harder today? than it was 40 years ago or even 30 years ago. And I think maybe the answer probably is yes in a lot of ways, but yeah. also it's easier. So we're going to talk about that this week. Sounds good. Yeah, there's definitely uh, some challenges today that didn't exist, you know, for yeah, maybe, exactly. maybe our parents, but for sure our grandparents, you know, depending on yeah, ages yeah. and whatever. But yeah, for my, my age, my demographic, yeah. So, yeah, that's very true. You know, so what we're going to do is we're going to break this. We got 10 points we're going to go over. We'll do five and five over the next two podcasts. Uh, we, we tend to do this quite a lot, gets us a chance to get all the content in there. Um, but I think it's, a, you know, it's, it's interesting to kind of think about this viewpoint because right now, you know, our world and society, you know, people are constantly, you're on social media, you're constantly seeing people say, oh, it just was so much easier before and we've just overcomplicated things. And, and it's really happening in all sorts of facets of life. Yet it's sometimes there's also easier things. So it's like, it's an interesting catch 22 because, you know, if you went back to the seventies and someone would say, well, it was harder then than it was 20 years before that. So it's kind of a little I bit think of, it's kind of nature, bias. Right? you know, human nature, it's kind of nature. I think we've got it harder yeah. than, you know, whatever yeah. we are, yeah. somebody else, but right. There is some truth even though the that, technology, so. yeah. even though all of our technology now is supposed to make our life easier, but we all, I, I still goes, don't so. buy that. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll get into it. Yeah, we'll get into it. So yeah, we'll have a little conversation about it. So let's start off with our first one here, which is going to be uh, job stability and company loyalty. Now, certainly in the, the Michigan area, right, where you're based out of, you got the big three. Right. Definitely. That's, you know, a, a case where that's probably more existent than other parts of the country. Uh, you know, where you've got people that work there for 30 years or so on and so forth. Yeah. But that mentality has definitely shifted over the last 30, 40 years. And people do not have those long career loyalty jobs anymore, which, you know, obviously Absolutely. plays into the pension conversation. Yeah. I mean, and that, that's a, a big uh, shift I've started to see. I mean, it's, I still occasionally will get clients that have worked for one company for their whole career. You know, I mean, this is where they, they took their job, their dream job, so to speak out of college. And, you know, they've worked there their entire career and are now retiring from that company, which, Again, has some challenges too, because a lot of times, and we talked about this before in concentrated stock positions and, and things like that, is you get all this loyalty to the one company, but it has definitely made their career a lot easier. They probably have a pension from that company, you know, it, it, they know what to expect, um, but that's few and far between anymore. You know, I mean, the, I don't know what the national average is today, but I think it's like a five-year stint is is kind of the longevity of right. yeah. job, mm -hmm. you know, so, and it's just kind of the nature of the beast anymore. And I, it's, I don't think it's, um, I think it goes both ways on both sides. You know, it's not necessarily the employee that is the one that is getting dissatisfied and they're moving on. Mm, you know, okay. I don't think the loyalty is there as much as it used to be from a company standpoint either. That's you know? a good point. You know, so yeah, I think it kind of goes both ways. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just it's, it's an interesting uh, view from retirement for for somebody like that because they've maybe changed, you know, job three, four, five, 
you know, the younger generation, by the time they get to retirement, six, eight, nine times, who knows? I mean, it's, you know, maybe, yeah, yeah. Baker's dozen. Yep. Uh, So let me frame it this way. So think about like the, the three legs of a milking stool, right? Uh, You got three legs of a stool, whatever, you know, I don't know why I said milking stool, but whatever you got three legs on the stool. Right. And so, you know, used to, you have your pension from this, you know, from this long time thing, you have your social security and you might have nothing or a modest, very modest personal savings, and you were good to go. Now I'm going to flip our next numbers here. So I'm going to go to number two and actually make this the less reliance on personal savings. I don't know why we changed the order here. So a number two is less reliance on personal savings. Well, now that stool is com- the legs are completely different and there's a whole lot more that you've got to try to balance on that one leg of personal savings and the changes to the secure act, the government they're saying, Hey, make sure that you realize that you've got to, you know, take care of yourself here. Right. Absolutely. And and that has been one of the effects of the shift with employment, you know, and I think part right. of the reason that people have started to move away from employers easier is there, there's not as many golden handcuffs, so to speak. Right. I mean, back in the day, Correct. you had the yeah. pension, you had the, you know, whatever it was, all these different factors that played into having loyalty to that company. Right. Well, if you don't have that, the there's not as many incentives for the loyalty. You know, so, so now next, I got to chase more money best, so I can build Yeah, the my next own. best offer comes about from, you know, yeah. money, time off, whatever it is. Well, then let's go to, the, you know, that company because your 401k is yours. You take it with you. It's portable. So I mean, there, there's pros and cons. You know, it's, it's you, you have that advantage, that flexibility now. But to your point of reliance on personal savings with that, the loss of the pension has been part of it. And, and I think. Companies shifted away from the pension, almost pushing employees into this um, just from their own standpoint, because a company with a pension has this potential liability on their balance sheets. And we've seen this shift over the last 10 years start to diminish dramatically. You know, there's very, very, very few companies that have pensions in place anymore. You know, public companies specifically, most of them, even if they do, they're frozen. You know, so the people that are in it is it once once they've retired that pension is gone. New employees, you know, maybe in the last 10 years have not been, or more have not been eligible to commit. So, well, think, you know, so think about what I mentioned, the government is kind of saying, Hey, with the secure act changes, we got to do some more stuff. So if it's, if you're more reliant now on yourself to save for retirement, which we all know, but people have not been doing this, right. And not been doing it well. So the last couple of changes with the secure act, they're starting to put more rules in there that kind of almost, force you you or force the company that you might be working at to help you save because they realize, okay, look, we've shifted away from pensions. We've gone into this personal savings, but people are not putting the money away themselves for it. And they're not preparing themselves. And right. And so that's a real problem. So you have got to have that as part of your strategy and planning to, to, you know, the self-discipline, I suppose, is not there to pay your future self. And that's any shift, I think, in in anything over time. That's just a learning process, right? That as people start to to make that shift into the the personal savings, it's something new. Now, for our generation, younger generations, for sure, it's nothing new. It's just what it is. So I think it's going to be more more um, just normal in what they do. For for this middle generation, that you know. Part of them have the pension, part of them don't. I think that's where we've seen a lot of this. They haven't saved enough because, you know, they they saw their their parents have the pension, have this the three-legged stool, but their savings was a very small piece of it. So they're thinking, oh, that's how that's going to work for me. 
and maybe they started with a pension, but now they've got a very small pension. Well, they never really made up for the difference and started doing personal savings. You know, and now as generations have shifted, this the younger generation, even my our generation, I mean, we don't have pensions. Right. You know, it's never been part of the equation. So for us, it's more natural to save for retirement. But I think a lot of it's all going to be personal too. It's just like credit card debt, right? So absolutely. some people are going to be very good and and very yes. mindful of saying, you know what, I have got to pay my future self. I don't want to be broke when I'm older. Right. And other people are very right now, and they're like, you know what, I, I you know I, I need this money right now for something else. So I'm not going to put it into my 401k off the check this week, or you know whatever the case is. So. Again, that's why that we're having some of the governmental kind of in, influence starting to step in here yeah. the last couple of years when it comes to the Roths and the 401ks and and just making it a little easier, hopefully, for people to be to get on the train, right? Right. So they can take care of themselves. Yeah, and there's always pros and cons. I mean, it's and we talked a few weeks back about comparing um, I think it was the ranking of different countries from you know, retirement readiness and, and the different yeah. things. Yeah. You know, in America ranked relatively low is what you think it would being, you know, the, the nation we are. And that's right. the main reason is that there is a lot of personal responsibility in that, yeah. which has pros and cons. You know, the pro is that you're, you can do a lot with it, but you have to take that responsibility on. And, true. and that's Very where, true. I, to your point, I think we've started to see the, the government trying to encourage even force, you know, or put rules in place to, to make right. it happen, which I mean, yeah. isn't, necessarily a bad thing, you know, um, well, if you're not going to, you know, you know, it's at the end of the day. And if you're not going to do it, what are you going to do in retirement? You know, just live on social security. That's not feasible anymore. So, well, sometimes you got to lead the children, right? You got to help them out a little bit. So hopefully you're good good graces with the kids. So that's right. Let's go to number three, housing stability. So again, the topic being retirement planning is harder today than it used to be. Now, you know, a couple of years ago, Phil, I bought this house that I live in seven years ago and got a, you know, got it for a great price and a low interest rate. Uh, Since then, in the last seven years, the last five years, four years, really, we've seen the housing market go through the roof. And I absolutely do sympathize. I mean, my daughter's 27 years old and I absolutely empathize with people trying to buy a house right now because the prices are so ridiculously inflated. Like if you go on Zillow and you look at a house that you're interested in and you see what it's listing for right now, let's say it's 500,000 and you just go back four years, the same exact house was listed for half that, Yeah, you know? And so in that respect, it's definitely harder. And with interest rates right now too, it just compounds that problem. But I I mean, this is an interesting topic too, the, the, the housing side of it, because I think this almost relates to topic one to some extent with job stability. I mean, if you think back in the day, I mean, if you work for the same company for 30 years, chances are you might not ever move, right? Or not out of that city or that region you're in. So why, you know, you don't have have that need to move unless you wanted to. That's true. That's a good point. You know, versus if you're moving or working for different companies, then where does that position take you? Is it to another state? You know, so now Mm. you're having to move. So, I mean, I think that might've played into it some. So interesting. Yeah. And if you look back even further, like my grandparents, I mean, they owned a farm. I mean, you're on the farm. That's it. It's, you know, they're, they were there for, I think they owned the farm 40, 50 years. Yeah. That's what you That's your house, you know? Yeah. And you start moving, moving. <laughs> and it and it definitely it definitely adds to it. That's a, that's an interesting take. So, I hadn't really thought about it. Yeah, way. I mean, it does definitely add some challenges, you know, as you get into yeah. retirement of you know, you don't you have a mortgage, number one. I mean, if you've been in a house, the same house for 30, 40 years, hopefully you've got the mortgage paid off. 
you know, at that point. But I mean, if you're moving, you may not, right? Because maybe you yeah. increase the the house size or whatever it is throughout time. Or so it it just brings another wrinkle into the equation. So yeah, for sure. Okay, let's talk about number four: simpler investing. Uh, and so less options back in the day, right? Uh, certainly. So that made it a little bit easier. So in that regard, we have a whole lot more plethora, but I, you know, I feel like that's a good thing, right? So we, we have a, a lot more options. Now we have, a, let's just go with a simple technology conversation, mutual funds to ETFs, right? Before the nineties, there was no ETFs because the technology didn't allow for it. Basically you had to, you know, the mutual fund standard. Well, ETFs have pretty much replaced mutual funds for the most part, right? A lot of people do that more because it's just a little bit better of a product, very similar, but it just kind of works a little bit better. So in that regard, I think it's a little easier nowadays. Yeah, and there's definitely pros and cons, but it, it um, you know, at the high level, those are some improvements. I mean, even the, you know, inter or the the invention of the mutual fund. I mean, that was a huge improvement because now the individual investor didn't have to, you know, with a small investment, pick one company to invest in. Right. They could invest in a basket of companies with a smaller investment. So that's a great, in, you know, in, invention at that point. Absolutely. ETFs is kind of the same thing, taking that mutual fund concept to the next level, making it more efficient in, in how that vehicle works. Right. You know, so those pieces, I think, have been good. But then where the complexity and, you know, the craziness starts to come in is, well, now you can invest in inverse funds. Right. So, I mean, you can bet against the market, you know, both direction. So there's all these complexities of, of what you can invest in. And, you know, even the, the ETFs. have. That's a good point, though. The technology that, is yeah. the technology has given us so much more, but it's also confusing much more because well, that's, you can also right. now get lost in a sea of stuff. Right. And that's the challenge that a, an investor faces today. If they're just researching, well, what do I invest in? Well, yeah, you can stick simple, but it's I mean, it's just endless. And, and ETFs have. Yeah compounded that because they're, you know, a much more efficient type of vehicle. There's all different flavors of ETFs that you can get into versus mutual funds. There weren't quite as many, you know, which again, gives some advantage, advantages to an investor, because if they want to have a very narrow investment strategy, you know, just looking at a very specific sector of companies, they can do that more efficiently in an ETF than they could have maybe a mutual fund. There might not have even been yeah. a mutual fund that did that. So, yeah, good point. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it does make um, if you're investing yourself a, a little bit more of a challenge now, because, again, options, right? You have more options, but now you've got to educate yourself on what those options are and make yeah. sure you do understand what you're getting invested into, because it might look really good. But what's the pro and the con? You know, what's the, yeah. what's the downside okay. of that investment? Yeah. And it is easy to get lost, right? We know that we've definitely had lots of conversations yep. about that. So on the one hand, I think it's good too, because you can, you can be a, and I think we've seen that. I talk to advisors all across the country and more people see folks coming in with good questions right. and armed with some good information, Absolutely, uh, but they still, you know, but they still definitely get a little bit confused and down in, the, in some of the weeds. And so therefore they're also looking for like how much of this is, is, you know, accurate right. because, as we've learned, the internet's full of, you know, information and disinformation. Yes. So, you know, a little yeah. bit of pros and cons yep. there for I, sure. I always look at the source. What's the, what's the reason they're posting or putting this information out there. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's do our fifth one and then we'll wrap it up for this week. Yep. And it's, it's talking about interest rates. So higher interest rates back in the day, you know, somebody would say, well, that was great. So in 1980, Phil, you could have a, t a 10 year treasury bond, uh, paying at about 11%, 11.3% roughly in that neighborhood. 
Uh, and people are like, great, that's awesome. You know, yeah. you could get a CD at about at 1980. National average was 15% on a CD. Yeah. Again, fantastic. But you're also, but your mortgage rate was also 13%. Right. That was the 1980 national average. Now it was going to be higher and lower yeah. in different places throughout the country. So it's kind of in the same boat as it is today. If you think about those minor discrepancies, yeah, maybe you can get 4% on a CD right now. And you were lucky enough to have a 3% mortgage from just seven years ago, like myself or something right. like that. So you're making just a little, a little bit, bit but it's not of, enough that it's yeah. you're not going to move the needle a ton. Yeah. And, and that's interesting. We've talked about interest rates before, but it's it's always the challenge. You know, people like to focus on interest rates now at this specific time, right? You're like, oh, the 80s was great. I can get 12%. Well, that's great. You know, 14, 15%, whatever it was. Yeah. That's awesome in a quote unquote secure investment. But the reality is if you look over any period of time in more than just one year, one year's you're going to have these discrepancies, right? Sure. But yeah. anything bank related, bank products, the interest that you're earning there is never going to keep up with inflation. That's not what they're designed to do. Right. So you can't get right. fixated on the number and say, oh, if I could just have a 12% CD today, trust me, you don't want it. Because to your point, if we're getting a 12% CD, well, chances are your mortgage rates are 10, you know, we're probably, 10, yeah. you know, 11, 12, 13% inflation. I mean, it, there, there's the, yeah. the downside of that high interest rates. It just didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. And we can call it 4%, whatever they're claiming it is. We know it's still higher than that right now in a lot of ways, right? right? We've talked about that a number of times. And, you know, as a matter of fact, it was just, I, you know, we just, we're about a few days removed from the Super Bowl, Phil, and yep. I about lost my mind when I saw, uh, unfortunately, the president standing out there talking about shrinkflation. Uh, and it, it's not even a, it's not. First of all, that's what? not even a real thing. And, and the way he was describing what's going on with, you know, your your Super Bowl snacks might be less and blah, blah. And it was like, you're really just describing inflation. Literally exactly. what it is, is inflation. But you're trying to spin it and make it seem like it's something better, right. you know, and which is, we know our politicians of all, that's, both sides right, that's and just all around, that's what they try all to they do, do yeah. is spin everything to make stuff try to sound better. And it's like, look, we're not all idiots here. Okay. Yeah. This is truly it's inflation, right? So yeah. it's, it's a, it's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing to, to think about with the, the interest rates is, you know, back when this happened the last time, higher interest rates like this, well, we didn't have as much reliance on personal savings either, you know. So your right. your, it's need, all your need was more filled with pensions, which you know, granted, I mean, the downside to pensions, especially in that time frame, is most of those were not inflation adjusted. So that's when somebody and usually they aren't today either. Yeah, most of them aren't today, unless it's you know a, um, a governmental entity. Usually, is the only ones that have any kind of inflation. So. But yeah, I mean, that's one of the biggest downsides to the pension is it's fixed. So if if you've had a six, seven, eight, 10% inflation, I mean, you're losing substantial purchasing power. So Social Security, fortunately, has had some inflation adjustments over time to, it never keeps up with it, but at least it it moves in the same direction, lagging it somewhat, but. So is retirement planning harder today than it used to be? Yeah. I would think so. And no. Yeah. I mean, there's more, <laughs> so there's, is it harder? Maybe hard, not harder, more complex, right? There's more options. Okay. There's more okay. moving parts to it, you know, for at least like my grandparents, it was pretty basic, right? I mean, you had a pension, Social Security was kind of the two main cores for them. They also had the farm, you know, that they ended up selling. So they they had more in the personal savings, but more traditional retirees back then was a pension and Social Security, 
you know, so I mean, it was pretty easy, you know, this is when you filed, this is when you retired and here's your income. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the A to A to B was an easier line than it is than now. It is right today. now it kind of does yep. all, all of this. And then you finally get there. Uh, all right. Well, there you go. That's the first half. So we'll be back with five more points to talk about on retirement planning changes over the years with Phil Putney. And of course, if you got some questions, need some help, find him online at philstaxhacks.com. That's philstaxhacks.com. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple or Spotify in audio form. And of course, on YouTube in video form, hit that little subscribe button and uh, ring the little notification bell. And that way you can catch new episodes when they come out and all that good jazz. And we'll see you next time right here on Phil's Tax Hacks and other retirement facts. Phil? Investment advisory services offered through AFS Wealth Management. The content of this program is provided for informational purposes only and is not a solicitation or recommendation of any investment strategy. Investments and or investment strategies involve risk, including the possible loss of principal. There is no assurance that any investment strategy will achieve its objectives.